0: This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissick. With Rob Brown and Martin Bissick. Martin, the Countex just gets bigger and bigger, doesn't it? It does, it does, and it's the biggest, I'd say biggest show in Europe, and I'm thinking maybe the biggest show in the world. What we know, for sure, is the one-stop shop for digital and in-person events. With the following it's built over the years, Countex packed a punch that's with events that are dedicated to both the accounting and finance professions. Yeah, and it's all CPD accredited as well. They've got a virtual summit coming up 10th to 11th of November, which is free to attend. And they've got some interesting topics coming up there, haven't they? Digital assets, social mobility, future of cloud accounting, commercializing opportunities for NTD, penalty reform, not your normal lineup. Yeah, and it's all ramping up to the big event they've got going on in London at the Excel Arena. It's the largest in Europe. And if you want your CPD points, if you want to find out what's happening, don't forget to book that in your diary for the 11th and 12th of May. And there's a website they can go to, Martin. Yeah, accountex.co.uk or indeed follow them on Twitter at at accountex. That's at accountex. and welcome to our special guest interview for this week on the show. And I'm thrilled to have with me today, Kevin Appleby of Grow CFO. Kevin, good day to you. Hello, Rob. Kevin, for people I haven't come across you, tell us about your role and what Grow CFO do. Grow CFO. Um,
1: we're here for CFOs, says it in the title. I suppose our main point is really two audiences. Folk who are looking to move into their first CFO role, and we've got the future CFO program, and folk that have moved into a CFO role and are finding it a little bit of a challenge. Because let's face it, your exams taught you how to be an accountant. Your exams didn't teach you how to be a CFO. And a lot of people get very, very challenged when they move into that first role. So we're there to support those folk. And more recently, we've also launched a team training product so that we can help CFOs develop the finance team that's sitting below them.
0: It's great stuff. We're going to talk in the show about that transition from accountant in practice to CFO. Just clarify a few things for us, Kevin. are all CFOs accountants is that traditionally their background their heritage or do they come from different places? traditionally Rob yes, what we 're seeing though is that that's
1: not necessarily the case if you 've got a, a rough understanding of finance and you 've got a good team behind you, perhaps you aren't and I think it's worth saying there are probably three types of CFO. There's the, the fundraising CFO, the strategy CFO, the operational CFO. Now, that fundraising guy, there's a possibility that he or she might have come from a banking background. Now, I think that's the main other source of CFO that you see. That That's the one where it's not an accountant. Now, somebody who's been involved in fundraising for years and years, knows the banking world inside out, knows the investor market inside out, knows the angels knows the private equity houses and so on. That sort of CFO doesn't necessarily have to be an accountant.
0: Well, Kevin, we'll come back to the three types of CFOs. You've outlined the the fundraising one a little bit, but the routes that people take to a CFO role then, just map those out for us so we understand the landscape.
1: Yeah, so let's, let's ignore that banker one for a while, but I think... If you're an accountant, well, you might have qualified in industry, you might have qualified in the profession. We've done a fairly big survey recently, looking at routes to CFO to try and really find out what's sitting behind this. And there's there's no one route, but it's less common for somebody to go through a role in practice and get fairly senior in practice and then jump over to be a CFO. It's more likely that somebody has left practice at, at a more junior level, moved across into industry, moved into a financial controller or a head of finance role, and then moved on to CFO like that. That's probably the commonest route. I think sort of moving from practice to, to CFO very rarely happens at the top level. Why is that? I think it's possibly because you're looking at two completely different skill sets.
0: Okay. By the time you're that far on in your career, you are that accountant in practice, that partner, and you've, you've got all of those skills, and a CFO is perhaps too big a jump at that point.
1: I'm not sure it's too big a jump, but you know, you're know you probably looking to have developed a, a different set of skills. Now, we, we've got an interesting set of people that are sort of fractional CFOs that might be CFOs for several companies. And those folk may well have come from practice and they may well have ended up working in a, a kind of second career for for a subset of their, their clients and doing more of the CFO role and the, the accountant's role. And I think in that case, you can find that they they become the the CFO of an organization. But I think it's quite rare for a partner to leap across and be a full-time CFO.
0: Has the CFO role changed over the years, Kevin? We are in unusual times. Oh, very definitely. Very, very definitely. CFO role is always changing. I think if
1: you go back several years, it was very much, uh, you are the head of finance. You were looking after the books and records. You were looking after governance and you were presenting the business results to the business.
0: You were the it. in-house auditor, the in-house accountant. Was that the other term for it? I'm not sure, in-house auditor, but in-house accountant, certainly, yes.
1: These days, the, the CFO is much more of a strategic role. He's much more of an advisor. He, he needs to be I'm saying he, but just as easily she, needs to be right-hand man, the co-pilot to the CEO. And I'd say that the CFO these days needs to have general business experience and just happens to have a finance angle to all of those things. It's not about presenting the monthly results to the board. It's about giving a financial aspect on any decision the board might be taking.
0: Are there bad CFOs and good CFOs like there are, poor accountants and excellent accountants? I'm sure there are. <laughs> How would you distinguish between the good and the great when it comes to the CFO role, Kevin?
1: The good and the great. Um, I think that the great CFO is the, is the CFO that the CEO will always turn to whenever there's a decision to be made, will be the, the sounding board, will be the person that's pretty much involved in every business decision, whether it's a financial decision or a non-financial decision. Um, you're saying as well, has the CFO role changed? I think what we're seeing is the CFO typically these days is taking on many more roles in the organization than just simply running finance. It's not uncommon, and I mentioned earlier three types of CFO. There's the operational CFO, and it may, be, may well be that that sort of CFO is getting involved in running you know, procurement, is, may even be running IT, may be running HR. So I think we're seeing a CFO that needs a much, much wider skill set than just running the accounting. And I I think also, Rob, you're talking about a a CFO becoming the external face of finance. So when you you move from being head of finance, you're very much running a finance team. You become CFO, you're looking outwards, your your customer is the, the investor. It may well be the customer of the business. It may well be the supplier of the business, but that's where all your conversations then then t- tend to be focused. You're no longer the internal face of finance in the company, you're the external face. And I think it's the, the role is very much of in evolving to
0: being much more that sort of person. That makes sense. And when we look at all the m a activity going on right now, there's a lot of buying and selling. You would become a negotiator in that whole sequence of events, wouldn't you, on behalf oh, of your yeah. company? Yeah, quite possibly.
1: Uh, but then again... We, we talk a lot to people in the future CFO program about what sort of CFO do you want to become? Do you want to be a generalist? Do you want to be a specialist? No. There are CFOs certainly that specialize in doing the M&A piece, but just as easily, you may only go through one acquisition in your whole career. Well, you can get most of the skills you need to do that from firm
0: external advisors. I'm reminded of my time after I finished teaching, I was a high school math teacher for many years and uh, in planning my exit from teaching, I took a master's in human resources, and they asked you very early on, do you want to be a generalist, human resource management, HRM, or perhaps a, a little bit more of a specialist, human resource development, which had more of an L&D spin to it, and you were asked quite early to pick a lane. Do you encourage CFOs to do that as well, or try everything, get a broad skill set, and then niche down the line? It's a mixture of both.
1: And we've got on the on the Grow CFO website, and you can go across to growcfo.net and take this quite easily without even joining Grow CFO, We've got a, what we call a CFO competency framework. And it asks a series of questions. And we've broken down the competencies a CFO needs into, into nine key areas. And then each one is divided into five further areas. So that's 45 skills altogether. Now that's a lot. And most people that take it get a bit of a surprise to find that they're, they've got lots of gaps in the skill base, <laughs> you know, 45 different things. You cannot be a master of all of them. And I'd say you need a, a minimum level across all 45. But how deep you want to go into any of those 45 really depends on whether you want to specialize. So say if you if you constantly want to be with startups, you constantly want to be going through series A, Series B fundraising rounds. Well, I'd expect to see the fundraising skills in that competency framework very high.
0: Yes. And if we overlaid the core competency skills of an accountant in practice with those required by a CFO, how much overlap might there be? Well,
1: what there's the nine, we've actually split down into, into three sets of three. So the, the, there's, there's an area that we generally call governance and control. And you know, I'd, I'd expect all that, those governance ones to be very strong in an accountant in practice. Um, there's another one, which is about soft skills, soft skills. Yeah. You probably, if you're, if you're in practice, you're dealing with clients all the time, you
0: increasingly important,
1: increasingly important could be, could be fairly good. The third set is around your, your commercial business acumen catalyst for change, things like that. And that's going to vary according to what sort of experience you've had. And I think that's where there could be gaps for anybody in practice. You You may have worked with quite a few clients in depth, looking at financial transformation, looking at cost reduction, looking at how to put a strategy together. But... Probably not. In a lot of cases, you've been doing the audit. You've been doing the year-end accounts. You've been talking through some tax structures. You've been doing a, a different, more regulatory-based set of work. And I think it's it's those it's that that trio of skills that are that are probably going to be short for the account in practice.
0: That's a fair comment. You get the same argument levelled at politicians who are in charge of. Decisions that affect the economy and affect business. And they've never been in business in their life. They've never been an entrepreneur and many accountants, they never ran a business. They don't know what it's like to be a business owner. So that commercial acumen, that business awareness, that's not part of their skills. That's something that needs to be developed, presumably. Absolutely. But I I think increasingly as, as
1: accountants in practice want to increase their service area. That's probably the key into where a lot of extra services can be provided, but it means developing those skills.
0: Mm. We will get you on a a separate interview on that one, Kevin. I'd love to deep dive into that transition from CFO to consultancy. Yeah, Tell us about how a CFO might know that they are ready for the role, ready to step into those shoes.
1: Actually, we've we've just published a blog post on the, the Grow CFO website on exactly that subject.
0: We'll put the link in the show notes. Tell us
1: about it. I think you never quite know whether you're ready or not. There's no readiness indicator, put it that way. You look at the competency framework, you'll, you'll feel as though, yes, you're moving forward in the areas you want to move forward in. You'll feel as though you've got to a certain level in your career where you've done the head of finance role. You're increasingly becoming a, an advisor to the board. You're increasingly getting involved in business conversations rather than just putting the accounts together. I, I think you, you kind of get a feel that you're ready rather than anything else. It's very, very hard to generalize, but you know, it goes into what sort of CFO do you want to be? If you want to be a fundraising CFO, well, have you actually developed your fundraising skills? And we've got a fundraising simulator in Grow CFO that allows you to go through a fundraising exercise from start to finish in a sandbox and see how you put together the pitch decks, how you put together the financial models and all of those good things. If you're a strategic CFO, have you been involved in business strategy? Do you enjoy the strategic area? Do you know how to put a strategic plan together? Do you know how to evaluate the various options in front of the business? So you know, there's, there's no right answer to whether you're ready or not, but then you get a gut feel for it, I think is probably the best answer.
0: Yes. Well, you'll either be asked to do the role or you'll be banging at the door to do the role and you'll feel that it's right. And it's one of those interesting things as well,
1: Rob, that most companies coming along trying to recruit their CFO are looking for an experienced CFO. You're there looking for your first role and you've got no experience. (laughs) Catch 22.
0: They say that experience is, is the comb that life gives you after you've gone bald. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> I understand. And that, that's actually where our future CFO programmes come from in Grow CFO, that we've recognised this glass ceiling
1: there. How do you
0: get that first role? You were politically correct, Arian, mentioning he or she in the CFO role. Is it predominantly a, a male dominating environment? Certainly, we know that there are more male accountants than female. What would you say?
1: I think it used to be a male-dominated role, but I, I think I look at our membership in Grow CFO and it's, it's much nearer 50-50 than you'd expect. We've got a very active uh, mm-hmm. women finance leader group within Grow CFO. I think some of the issues that, that women have in the role are different to the ones that men have in the role. A lot of our lady members tell us that assertiveness could be a problem. You know? They feel just a little uncomfortable, particularly if it's a male environment they're operating in, being assertive and... And say effectively, finding it difficult to say no to a proposal when it's not. Women
0: are much more agreeable and inclined to consensus than men. That's absolutely for real. I'm just thinking back to my HR days, one of the constant prompts for HR professionals was to get board level buy in and get that influence at board level. And to do that, you've got to be persuasive. You've got to be compelling. You've got to make the business case. You've got to argue the value of what you're bringing to the table, if you like. And that perhaps easier for a CFO than a a HR role, but that's still relevant, isn't it? You've got to be persuasive and influential.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we've we've done a lot of work around the, the biggest issues that affect new CFOs. And the two that keep coming out on top is lack of confidence and imposter syndrome. And I think coming back to the male or female question, that an interesting difference is that while both sexes suffer from those problems, the lady members are the ones that are most willing to admit to it and most
0: willing to seek help and mentoring. You're touching there on... The mental side of this, the mental resilience, the robustness, the rigor, if you like, of that self-confidence, self-affirmation of being able to stand up with your numbers, with your data and tell the story and weave a compelling narrative that leads a board to take action. That's all part of the mix, isn't it now?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think uh, the two biggest skills that you've got to have are the ability to communicate and the ability to uh, develop strong relationships oh, and they're effectively the, the, the two sides of the same coin. you've got to know very well the personalities that are involved in the business you've got to know their hot buttons you've got to know how to approach them how to get them on board and you've got to be able to not just present the numbers but you've got to be able to present the story behind the numbers
0: yes this is Fascinating, and the accountants listening will be perhaps as intrigued by a career as a CFO as they are by an accountant. And they're, they're both viable options, aren't they? If you've got an accounting qualification, yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
1: And, and I've tr- and in my own career, I qualified way, way back as a chartered accountant with BDO, then went off into industry and ended up as European business accountant for the plastics business in the old conglomerate ICI. Which sadly is no more. Then had a twenty-year career as a management consultant, effectively back in practice, but not not in the audit side of practice. Then in the classroom, teaching people some of the management accounting things that I that I, I use as my bread and butter in, in consultancy, and that's part of why Grow CFOs there. All of
0: those skills I want to pass on to the next generation, which is applaudable, absolutely, and. Accountants, listen, they can join your CFO community, can't they, Kevin? It's not exclusive with people in those roles. Oh, no. And Literally anybody can join
1: Grow CFO as a, as a free member. What do they get when they join? Access to the community. There are one or two free training courses and free events. The vast majority of what you get out of Grow CFO is being a premium member.
0: And that's where you access the competency framework that you spoke about?
1: Anybody can go and do the competency framework. And you'll get a report when you do the competency framework. And we ask you to, to give a little bit of, I'll not say personal information, but at least information that will allow us to segment you. What sort of age group are you in? What's your level of experience? What sort of business do you work for? And we do that so that when we give you a report, you know, we're, going, we're going to benchmark you against your peer group. We're not just going to benchmark you against every CFO because that would be a bit meaningless. And you know, somebody taking the competency framework and hasn't got their first CFO role yet is just going to feel, oh, I'm right at the bottom of the pile. We want to segment those, those against other people who haven't quite got their first CFO role yet. And we're, we've got to the point now that we've had so many people go through the framework that we've, we've got a really good bit of data now sitting there that we can, we can benchmark into, into every peer group quite well.
0: And are you the only gig in town, Kevin, when it comes to CFOs other other communities? What do you do that's different and better?
1: Uh, there are friends at CFO Connect, which are much more of a network. Um, across in the United States, there's CFO University. Um, there are one or two other smaller organizations as well. But I think what we're doing is we're we're homing in very, very specifically. On a, a niche that's around that that's not quite a CFO yet, or more recently became one. And one part of the business is the online platform and the learning piece. Second part is mentoring. Um, we we've got a group of nine or ten mentors who are all not just C-suite coaches; they're ex-CFOs, and in some cases, still current CFOs, who want to, again, want to give something back to the next generation. And they're, they are really experienced at mentoring people, but they've also
0: been there, done it, got the T-shirt. I'm reminded of the quote, I think it was Martin Rutter that said, you've got to do it by yourself, but you can't do it alone. Yeah. And that importance of mentoring and coaching and people getting alongside you, people that have trodden the path that you are going down, you can't put a price on that, can you?
1: Uh, exactly, exactly. And I, I think there's a a reluctance amongst accountants and CFOs to go and reach out for a coach or a mentor. There's some feeling that oh, we've passed exams to be able to do all of this stuff. We've done all
0: of our learning. We've done all of our learning.
1: And then you look and realize that actually there's another three members in their
0: C-suite of all good C-suite coaches. Yes. And you look at the 45 skills competencies you mentioned, and you see the gaps and you think, well, how do I even start with that? Yeah, exactly. I, I think having a mentor is a very, very powerful thing.
1: And the, the, the next question comes to what what sort of mentor do you want? Which is why we've got a panel
0: of nine or 10 of them. You know? The chemistry's gotta be right. Kevin, this is terrific. Just in closing, we'll put your contact details in the show notes and the link to that uh, competency test and everything else. Talk to us about the future. What's happening with the CFO role over the next few years in these uncertain times, we're still not out of COVID yet. There's a lot of VUCA, that volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity. What's coming up for the CFO role?
1: You've got to be able to think quickly, think on your feet. You know, we went into the pandemic. The CFO suddenly became really, really involved in strategy, in the business plan. We had to, lots of businesses had to rethink their business plan overnight. And it was very much driven by the. The, oh, shit, we've got no sales moment.
0: Yes, that certainly focuses the mind, doesn't it? Like a bullet to the head. That,
1: that's one thing. The, the CFO there, I think, has generally got more involved in strategy. There's a big, big change around integration, automation of systems and so on. So the CFO's got a big role there. And I think the other big role the CFO's got is is pulling together all of the information in the business, not just the financials. And being the, the owner of the the database, that's the one version of the truth
0: about the business. So much of this is crossing over into the accounting world. Kevin Appleby, that's been outstanding. Thank you so much for your time and your insights today. This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett.